This is Invest Like a Honeybee, the podcast where you learn to be smart with your money and invest wisely. Before we get started, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not an investment advisor. Please make sure you discuss any changes to your portfolio with your registered advisors. I may continue to hold stocks I discuss in this podcast or not, depending on when you listen to this podcast. This is about Invest Like a Honeybee. I'm Henry J. Speck. Let's get started. Today my interview is with Rob Kessler. He's the founder. He's the inventor of the Million Dollar Caller. It's a, a product you'll learn a little bit about, but really what I want to talk to Rob today about is his life as an entrepreneur, some of the challenges he had in developing his business, and what got him to this point. What part of the world are we talking today? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, beautiful. You live there now or what, what's going I on? I do now. Yep. <clears throat> we moved about two years ago from Los Angeles. Okay. So, so why don't we get started? I just want to talk to you a little bit. I mean, I'm sort of I'm pretty excited about what you've done. I mean, the, the podcast is getting, the book just came out and I'm an old weird guy and I wear shitty clothes. So probably I'm not going to work. I looked at your Most site. Most people thought, don't wear a dress shirt when they have me on it. Or just, you know. <laughs> it's my fishing shirt because I'm a retired guy. So anyway, right. I, I saw your stuff and I was really impressed. So why don't you give us five minutes on just um, I know you've talked a lot in podcasts about, you know, your product, your company and stuff, but I'm, I'm more interested. I understand. Give us some time on that, but also just how you got motivated to take these risks and these chances. I work with a number of startup folks and I mentor some people and uh, I just want you to tell us how you got to where you are today, if you could. Yeah, I just, um, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of always looked outside the box. Um, I, I was very fortunate when I was little, my dad would give us our lunch money on like Sunday night for the entire week. Oh, wow. And so that taught us money management skills, even like in middle school. And so um, I just always looked at opportunities and, you know, I'd started cutting grass for him and then I'd get the neighbor and then I'd get the other neighbor. And like literally at 13 years old, I was pushing that mower thinking somebody's going to drive by and stop me and be like, man, this kid is really like detailed and cutting the grass. And that, <laughs> Hey, what was your lunch know. money? I got to ask yeah, how much money so, are we talking? Uh, it was $2 and 50 cents a day. So we got uh, whatever seven fifty for the, for the week. And then um, we got a $5 allowance. So he would give us $12 and 50 cents on Sunday night. And he goes, look, if you want to be an idiot and buy all your friends lunch on Monday and Tuesday, you're going to starve on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So, we learned wow. pretty quick, you know, I, that two fifty, I probably spent a dollar twenty five, you know, it's like a brownie and a slice of pizza. And that was about all I ate. And what did you charge to cut grass back then? Uh, well, he would pay me five bucks and then all the neighbors were paying me 10 or 15. So <laughs> you gave I was me like, a man, this is a jip. <laughs> <laughs> so then what happened? Where, where'd you go next? So, um, I ended up getting into, um, I, like I worked in the restaurant business for a little while, and then I was always a very, very competitive athlete. Um, so I got into playing soccer and got a job at a very uh, at a little soccer and volleyball store. And um, from day one, the guy that uh, owned the store gave me a key to the store and a code to the alarm at 17 years old. And he goes, you know, this is yours too. And he just really made me feel like I, I mattered. And within a few months, like I was doing the ordering, I was helping out with doing finances. I built like a spreadsheet so we could track our finances and our sales. And, and I was doing this at 17 years old in high school. So 
What part of the world was this? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Were you a Packers yeah, fan right, or no? Yeah, I mean, we watched, but I'm not like, you know, diehard. I mean, we, could, <laughs> so, we couldn't get the Super Bowl on last night because we don't have regular TV. So it was just like, okay, well, what else? Really? So do? What, what, do you did, what did you do for school? Where did you, how, where did you go after high school? So I went to um, a little, very small town in, in Shorewood is where I ended up finishing high school. It's called Shorewood, Wisconsin. It's literally a square mile. And University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee is, was about two miles away. And so I went there. I stayed at home uh, so I could save money. Um, about two years in, I was ready to drop out. I was doing the minimum amount of credits. And <laughs> I, I just got a, a spark in my butt. And I literally did a summer school, the winterim class. And I graduated in four years. Uh, ended up finally, like, start to finish four years. Graduated, you know, full degree in marketing. So uh, I caught up and then uh, and finished, still finished in four years. Wow. And then what? So at that time, the soccer and volleyball store, the guy that left uh, had a partner or the guy that owned it had a partner and he really hated, you know, the situation. He wanted to take it over and really run it himself. And, and that, that partner wasn't willing to give it up. So that guy actually left and went to work for my dad. And he did that by walking into my dad's office one day after my dad was consulting him on how to, uh, you know, how to make this transition. And he said, I'm coming to work for you. And he goes, well, I don't have a job for you. And he goes, I don't care. I'm just going to hang out. I'll, whatever you need me to do, I'll be here to do. And he ended up hiring uh, this guy, Tim. And Tim worked for my dad for, for a while. Uh, he died tragically at 32 years old. But um, mm -hmm. he was a, a very important part of my life that I lost uh, 21 years ago now. So, wow, so sorry about that. Uh, I ended up going to work for my dad uh, after Tim left because I didn't like the other owner either. Uh, so in the second two years of college, not only did I finish catching up credits, I was also working full time. So, so you had a bit uh, of a work ethic. I did. And so um, then after college, I worked, I went, moved to open a store for my dad uh, out of town. It was a really, really, really small town, which I hated. So I ended up coming back. I sold cars for a little bit. I moved to L.A. for a year, came back from L.A., got into real estate. So I had my real estate license since... I don't know, 20 years now. Uh, I was actually the fastest person in Wisconsin to ever get the real estate license. I did it in 10 days. So <laughs> from open book to licensed in 10 days. And uh, so I did real estate. Um, I bought a duplex. I, my wife and I bought a 6,000 square foot commercial building that we subdivided and rented out a chunk of that. And then we bought a 16,000 square foot commercial building. I had a screen printing business. Uh, I invented million dollar collar and then while we're doing all that, we bought, sold the, the commercial stuff and bought a yacht and did a yacht charter business for four years. And we just sold that back in September. So, Oh, captain, um, you're, are you still a captain? I know I'm supposed to call you captain or what's the deal? Uh, I mean, I'm still licensed, but I haven't, I haven't driven a boat in a while. Do you miss <laughs> it? I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you, you started it and it sounds like you had quite a ship. Yeah. I love being on the water. Um, no question. I really love being on the water. But um, the next boat will be our personal one. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to be anybody's chauffeur anymore. Is it true what they say friends. that the, the the second best day I think is is the day you buy a boat, and the best day is when you sell it? Is that how you felt? Or um, uh, we we were getting pretty nervous about recession, and you know we were already out of Los Angeles for almost a year, so we were really ready to move on in that perspective. But the business was phenomenal. I mean, we we built really quite a, a phenomenal little business. So we loved 
owning the boat. We loved buying the boat. Like everything was great. So, and how big was uh, the boat? Uh, it was 50 feet overall, tip to toe. 50 feet. And how many bedrooms? Uh, it was like a two bed living room, two bathroom. So it was, it was pretty legit. Yeah. So like a million bucks. What's that cost these days? Uh, brand new. They're a million. Yeah. We paid, oh. um, it was 300,000. We bought it and I sold it for three thirty. So I sold Good it for, for you. and I paid for it. Yeah. So you got out of the boat business, you're doing the collar thing, which by the way, when I saw it, I had no clue. Obviously I have no taste in clothing. Mary dresses me wherever I go. So I, when I saw that, I thought I'm probably not the market, but you sold like, you're talking half a million of these things and you, now you have shirts where they're built in, which is genius. Yep. Can yep. you give us five minutes on the whole shirt million dollar collar thing? So um, actually Saturday, just two days ago was my 10 year wedding anniversary. We oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. We, yeah. We got married on the beach in Jamaica. I'm really casual. I hate wearing ties. And I think it was from my car sales days. Okay. Um, but I just <laughs> hate wearing ties. And so I didn't want to wear a tie on my wedding day. We had, you know, our toes in the sand. It was really chill. And my brand new, freshly pressed Express 1MX dress shirt was just a sloppy mess within 30 minutes. I didn't even say I do. Um, and so I came home from Jamaica after looking at all my photos and said, man, I, this, this sucks. Is there anything out there? And so I searched all over the internet and I couldn't find what really addressed the problem, which is this part of the shirt. Everybody, you know, was talking about, oh, do this collar stay or that collar stay or that collar thing. It's like collars, not the problem. I mean, it is the problem because it's so heavy, but the solution is down below the collar. You're so, talking the V part, this part right in here. This part here. This is called the placket, which most people don't know. I mean, even a lot of people in the industry don't know that this is the placket, but the part with the buttons and holes is called the placket. And so I basically took the idea of a collar stay. I extended it. I put it down into the placket part of the shirt, and it just gives this nice structure right to the front of the shirt. And so uh, it took three years to design the product and patent it uh, and the biggest reason it took so long is because the amount of heat that they use in the dry cleaning process mm. is it, it was ridiculous over 400 degrees when they flash press your shirt so i would i just didn't want to ever like get somebody's hundred dollar shirt and my product installed and then it melts the shirt because trust me during that three years i melted a lot of plastics <laughs> to a lot of shirts <laughs> And, and this uh, is installed. I couldn't do this myself. It has to be installed by a professional tailor or dry cleaner, or I buy a shirt with it already in it. Is that how it works? Yeah. So it, you can, I mean, I, I did my first ones with a, a, a needle and a thimble. And um, so it can be done by yourself, but if you can sew a straight line for an inch, you can put this in. It's, it's insanely easy. Every shirt is made exactly the same. There's always two layers in the placket and there's always two layers in the collar band in every dress shirt. And so you or your tailor will open a couple stitches or your dry cleaner, slide it in, sew it back together. When you sew it back together, you're stitching through the stay itself, and that's what holds it in place. So it kind of floats in the placket. So, you know, it's never going to pull or twist or, you know, really mess yeah, up. So the let me shirt ask this quick question. If I want to buy a shirt with it pre-installed, do I have to go to your site or can I go to any clothing store and say I want this million-dollar collar in my – is that what I call it, a million-dollar collar or no? Million dollar collar, yeah. We call it a placket stay instead of a okay. collar stay. Um, so we're the really the only ones that are doing. There's a couple small brands that are selling our product in. There's a, a larger brand that's about to jump on board, so we're, we'll be excited to announce that soon. But uh, you know, we went originally and talked to every brand we could. We were trying to license this from day one. 
all the manufacturers were like, I don't really know if this is a problem. So we went straight to consumer and we've been doing direct to consumer sales for the last seven years. We sold almost a half a million units direct to consumer in 130 countries. And now we've proven really that, you know, the, the demand is there. So we just said, forget it. You know, if these guys aren't going to give us the attention, we're just going to make our own shirt and make them pay attention. What's so, your cost for one? So a set of million dollar collar is about $2. And how many and is in a set? It's one shirt worth is, is two bucks. Two bucks. And that lasts what's the life cost of the you make it? Um, less than that. <laughs> hey, I got to ask. <laughs> I'm thinking way uh, less than that, which is a great business. Good for you. Yeah. So, and then the shirts, um, yeah, we basically took that one MX dress shirt that I got married in because it, it's the number one selling shirt in America. We changed the fabric. We changed a few other features. Like we added a convertible cuff. So every one of our dress shirts, you can wear cufflinks with if you want, or just button it up like regular. And then it's $69.99 for our regular shirts. And that's million dollar collar built in. It's wrinkle resistant. It's got stretch. I mean, it's, it's a freaking amazing shirt. 69 bucks. Hey, that's crazy yeah that's and you get two i mean the more you buy the better the price so it's uh it's really good so is this a long-term business i got i gotta ask you this is because you seem to build successful businesses like it was one of the questions you suggested you build successful businesses and then you sell them is this one you want to keep for the long term yeah i mean so far the businesses that we've built you know my wife and I, um, we get to about a million dollars in revenue and we're like, okay, it's, it's time for something new. This one is definitely the, I've committed my life to, to doing this. I've done other stuff on the side to keep this going. Um, but this is, this is the big time. This is the, you know, generational wealth. I'm thinking you get business. bored easily. I do get bored easily. I'm very ADD. Um, so Have, I, has anyone I, thrown that diagnosis on you? I don't, I don't really go to doctors if I don't have to. So <laughs> You don't go to doctors ever? <laughs> no, no. Wow. I just turned 45, so I had to go to one doctor. I didn't really want to either, but. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was diagnosed it, but... in my 40s with ADD. <laughs> okay. And, and, and being a shrink, I'm pretty dumb. Eh? I missed it for all those years, even though I, I'm working with kids and adults with it. I had, I didn't think I had it, but. Yeah, uh, no, it's hard to look it, in the mirror. It's, it's a hard one. So you talk about generational wealth. What's your method of investing for that like are you, are you still into real estate you said you had some properties is that different now or what are you doing now um yeah we we, we love real estate uh, one of the things that we're working on is a new real estate development um it's kind of on the back burner because my wife is super busy with the things she's doing she's a hollywood stunt woman so she is um you know getting beat up and thrown around and doing super cool stuff on set and so she's got that going um We've got our house that we do a lot of work on. She's got a horse. Um, and so I've got million dollar collar and go Tyler. So our plate's pretty full, but we're always thinking about other things. What else can we do? And um, to me, real estate's always been a fun business and a fun industry because, you know, no two houses are alike, even if they're, you know, track homes and they're built side by side. Once you get inside, they're all a little bit different. We just love, I always wanted to be an architect. And so this was kind of a cool way to be an architect with, uh, or be like around George Seinfeld, right? You want to be an architect. That's your thing. <laughs> yeah, I did I, want I, to be an architect. I started in college. My dad's architect told me long hours, low pay, high stress. Don't do it. And I was like, yeah, okay. I won't be yeah. an architect. Though. That's good advice. Probably. <laughs> Cause you got so much freedom where you, I can't see you doing a nine to five in an office somewhere. No. I cannot do. I, I got to ask you, you're in Georgia. How does your wife do Hollywood stunt stuff in Georgia? 
Atlanta is the movie making capital of the world. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah about 10 years, they started doing um, incentives for the movies to come here. And now there's a ton of studios. And so LA does mostly TV shows. So she'd work a day or two or three. You know, we moved here because she was working for seven weeks on a Marvel thing. And so I just oh, okay. said, look, we, you know, we want to stay in L.A. a little longer or let's get the heck out before it gets really crazy. And so we uh, she found a house. We closed on it in 11 days. And in less than two weeks, I had our L.A. place packed up in a truck and we were I was driving cross country. So has it been tougher for you to handle success or failure? <laughs> uh, I think success, actually. I feel a lot like I don't necessarily deserve it. Uh, failure to me is just an opportunity. I'm a I'm a problem solver, and so when something doesn't work, I immediately look at how do I make it work, and it frustrates my wife quite a bit because she'll come and she'll tell me something that's going on, and I'm immediately like, how do I fix the problem? And she's like, sometimes it's like, dude, just shut up and listen to me, because I just need to like let it out, and I'm ready to just I want to make your life better, you know, so I want to try to fix the problem. So failure to me is a lot easier. I mean, look with a product that I believe so heavily in and hearing a thousand no's uh, and, and still being able to get up every day and keep going with million dollar collar. So how do you handle success? Easier. Because that's a common thing we all face. Like you got to it early. I wasn't successful till like a week ago. Right. So it took me a long time, <laughs> but the success part is incredibly difficult. When I talk to young entrepreneurs, people who, who are making it, it's, you know, friends change. Uh, people aren't happy for you. Like you think they'd be, along with a whole bunch of other stuff internally to ourselves. So what do you do about it? How do you handle success? Uh, I mean, I try to surround myself with people that are more successful. I always have. Um, when we got to Los Angeles, we got very fortunate to meet a girl who took us on a business networking hike. And I met on that very first day, like two months into being out in Los Angeles, I met one of the guys that founded Expedia. Nice. And he was just the nicest guy. And we still are like really good friends today. He's been there to give me advice. And so when we moved to Georgia, we ended up meeting some people. Ironically, one of my soccer buddies from 15 years ago lives three miles down the road. Great. And he introduced us to some people and they're all really successful. And so staying at that level, I mean, friends change throughout time. When my wife and I bought that 6,000 square foot building, she was 27 years old and we were you know working on it we did all the work ourselves because we couldn't afford to hire it out so we'd work all day she'd train in her gym i'd do my screen printing and then until two in the morning we were rehabbing it building it out to what we wanted to be and on the weekends we were doing that and our friends were boating and doing all kinds of stuff and it's like nobody even offered to help so you know we learned pretty quick that we rely on each other and um, you know, if people want to help and be around, then, then those are the people that will keep. So close. where did you develop the rare skill of work ethic, which seems to be missing today in the world? Uh, I mean, we were super poor growing up. My dad, um, when I was one, when I was a couple years old, my dad ended up getting into the jewelry business and he knew nothing about it. And for the first 15, 11 years, first 11 years, he went from 125,000 a year in revenue to 325,000, which is not enough to support three kids and a wife. And so, I mean, we eat, he called it beanies and weenies, you know, it was, it was uh, <laughs> hot dogs cut up in some, some baked beans. And that was dinner probably three nights a week. So we really didn't have anything. And if we wanted it, we had to work for it. So the um, leftover next day, you know, would be mac and cheese with hot dogs in them. That was yeah, right. Yeah, those home, hot dogs right, went a long day. way. 
Yeah, it goes a long so, way. So I was always really competitive um, in sports, and my dad got me into BMX biking in 1984. And by 1986, I was state champion. So, I mean, I just, yep, I I just go it. after it. So, have you got children? Nope. I have, uh, I have a 130-pound 10-year-old Rottweiler. I have a 75-pound little beautiful dog. And then we have a 1,500-pound horse. So no, no kids in the future? <laughs> no. Not going to adopt or anything? Tell me how you're going to leave the world a better place. Like, do you think it's an obligation? What What do you think about that idea? Uh, you know, I I don't necessarily believe that you have to make it a better place as long as you don't make it a worse place. I think, you know, I I try to, you know, consult people and help friends. And, and if anybody in the world has questions about business, I'm I'm an open book and happy to, to give guidance. Um, I want to change the dress shirt industry just because it made me crazy. And so um, that's my, you know, big audacious goal. But uh, as long as I don't, you know, mess anybody else's world up, I think I am in my own little zone and in my own little head and in my own little lane. And that's where I'm at. I, I don't need to, you know, as long as I don't make it worse. Tell me a final question. I just asked you a couple more. What, what's a typical day for you? What time do you get up? What's your routines? Because you're successful. People might be able to learn, obviously, from your success. You know, I am not a super routine guy. Um, <laughs> Are you a morning I, guy? I, I, I try. I'm not so. I'm not I tried. So. <laughs> <laughs> I really try. I really love that I, for the most part, don't have an alarm. When I wake up, I wake up. And that's usually between 7 and 8. Um, I shower every morning. I do a little workout um, I and I go right to my desk and I do all my QuickBooks and I get through all my emails and I do all that business stuff first. Um, and then I try to do social media posts and I try to do certain things, but I like to be done by like two o'clock. So I've spent from eight to two at my desk um, and then I need to go be physical. Like there's just something about creating things. So I'm building my wife right now. Uh, a feed shed and a tack room for her horse. Nice. I'm about to start building a two stall barn. Like I cannot wait to get out there and turn the saw on and start banging away with a hanger. How many hammer. acres are you on? How big is your place? We're on five right now, but we're trying to get the five next door. So we'll have 10. You're going to get any honeybees maybe? Maybe some honeybees. I know that those are a thing. I don't know anything about it. doesn't matter. You don't have to. Yeah. It just gets, just, just got to get, get a hive, get started. You'd love it. You'd love it. Yeah. Well, we're doing a lot of like, uh, we're building like a four tier garden thing and yeah. we're doing a lot of our own food and stuff. And so uh, I know that that's essential to life. So that's awesome. So, so final question for you. If, if you were sitting with a young entrepreneur, do you mentor, you talked about being mentored. Do you mentor young entrepreneurs right now or, or nothing's going on? Not officially, but um, it's, it, I'm always curious about it because I feel like, you know, I can look at things from the outside world in a different perspective. I've always, thought outside of the box. And so I feel like I could give back in that way. I'm just so busy with the stuff that I'm doing that I just don't feel like I could give the full attention that it needs. Okay. Um, if a hundred percent represents everything, you know, about entrepreneurship and business, meaning in the world, I'm not talking about you. Sorry. Let me say that over again. If a hundred percent is everything, like if you're like at the top of your game, you're in the forties right now, 40 years, something 45. Okay, at 45, what percent of 100% do you think you know? Seven. Seven? <laughs> yeah. Best answer. That's the best <laughs> answer. Thank you. I, I'm so, man, if I was investing, I'd call you up and say, let's do something. 
Tell me why. I'm always can... learning. I, I love business books. I, you know, I, I'm trying to pick a little bit of information from everything I see and everything I read. And, you know, if you're not learning you're not failing, I don't think you're trying. So, so how do you handle 25 year olds who say they know everything? I don't. I don't do <laughs> what do you mean you don't? <laughs> go ahead. You know, if you think you know it, then go for it. I've been there. I, I thought I knew it. I mean, my yeah. dad is, was insanely successful and I look to him and I ask him for advice every day. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, you think you do the, and you do the best you can, but. I wanted to leave it there because that to me is one of the most incredible responses I've had from an entrepreneur who at the age of 45, having sold a number of businesses, uh, over a million dollars in different sales for his, um, you know, his million dollar caller and all the other things he's done. So humble, still working hard at everything. And uh, that's Rob Kessler. It was a, a pleasure to talk with him. And I hope to talk with him in a few years and see how he's doing. Remember to pick up my latest book, What Grandpa Learned from His Honeybees, the little book to be smart with your money and help the environment on Amazon or Audible. Pick it up today.